True Crime friends, welcome back to another episode of True Crime in Academia. I'm your host, Mary DePippi. This week's episode, I'm just kind of going to jump right in. I just want to just cover some trigger warnings real quick. We are going to be discussing gun violence, mass shootings, and politics. So, I completely understand if this is not an episode you want to listen to, if you want to skip over it. Um, But I do think it's very important that we talk about gun violence and what had happened last Tuesday. So with that, I'm just going to get right into it. Last Tuesday, the United States had another school mass shooting. This time it was at Robb Elementary School in Uvalde, Texas. 18-year-old Salvador Ramos, a high school student, barricaded himself in a fourth grade classroom with an AR-15 after shooting his grandmother. Police waited 75 minutes in the hallway outside of the classroom while 19 students and two teachers were massacred. It goes without saying that no child should ever have to worry about being killed while they're trying to learn. Something that people have been saying since Columbine and, more recently, Sandy Hook. Including Robb Elementary that just occurred, like I said, last Tuesday, there have been 27 school shootings so far this year. We're not even halfway through the year yet. And there's been 27 school shootings. So why did people go on to commit mass murder? And if you know on this show, you know that I like to go into the psychology of the people that go on to commit these crimes. We know that on a general scale, most people are driven to kill because of undealt with trauma. Sadly, there has not been that much research done onto the minds of mass shooters because most are killed instead of apprehended, which... Some of them do end their own lives. And when someone is going out looking to kill anyone who gets in their way, I can understand why, as a police officer, that would be the right choice. But it is because of that, because of usually in these situations, the mass shooters are either killed or they kill themselves. It is so hard to pin down how those individuals make these decisions. And it is also, of course, like in many other killings, it's different from offender to offender. There's no one set list of characteristics or, you know, childhood events or traumas that could, that definitively lead someone to committing either mass murder or murder in general, right? But because of this, it is harder to come up with a general consensus because they have no one to talk to. Now... Some individuals are driven by being bullied. We've seen that. Virginia Tech. And I think in Columbine, that was a situation where the individuals were being bullied. Now, some are driven by hatred, like we saw at the Buffalo, like in Buffalo, New York, the shooting at the supermarket there. But one thing is clear. They have set out, meaning they are calculated, they have planned, and they are prepared to cause as much pain and damage as possible. And like I said, most do not expect long enough to live long enough to be arrested. So from a psychological case, yeah, it's really hard to tell. And I don't know what the situation was with Salvador Ramos. I don't know if he was bullied in his high school. And even still, why did he go after an elementary school? 
it just it doesn't make sense and it never does it should be no surprise to anyone that the united states has a severe mental health problem we have one of the worst mental health care systems out of any first world country quite frankly it's pathetic i mean we are actually considered one of the most depressed countries in the world and the pandemic only made the mental health care crisis worse Which again just makes sense because we were all forced to isolate for long periods of time. And as social creatures, this separation, this lack of human face-to-face contact is not good for us as a species mentally. The lack of mental health care access also does not benefit anyone in a mental health crisis. I mean, how often do we hear? I mean, I know it from my own experience you know, you're having a mental health crisis and you have to wait like two months before you can be seen with a provider, if that. Sometimes it's longer, which again is is not okay. <laughs> you know, th- it does not benefit anyone, like I said, in a mental health crisis. You know, mental health care in this country needs to change. And we know this. We need more access to mental health care providers and a more robust mental health care system. We also need to change the stigma around mental health care in our country in order to help further those who feel embarrassed getting help. And I know this because I have people in my life who do not (laughs) get mental health care because they've been made to feel less than if they do or that, you know, doctors don't know what they're doing. They just want to prescribe you medication and pump you with this and just take all your money and blah, 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 blah. Yes, these are things I've actually heard from people in my life. So all of these things need to occur in order for us to just have a better, less depressed country. And even though, like I said, even say if we did have all of these things, even if we did have better mental health care and we had a robust mental health care system and you could see a mental health care provider the second you needed one. Having a better mental health care system is also what's not going to solve this problem. The whole problem, I mean. It's part of a problem. Or it's part of the solution to this problem. (laughs) But it's not the only one. Because like I just said, there are people who flat out refuse to get treatment no matter what you do or say. But that also, like I said, doesn't change the fact that we need to make changes to our mental health care system. And as I mentioned before, I think it's just part one of the solution to this two-part problem is just fixing our mental health care. Because like I said, everyone is pretty much in a mental health care crisis for the most part. Everyone is experiencing, at least from the pandemic, some sort of mild anxiety and depression. We need better access to health care in order to prevent these types of mental illnesses or these types of mental health problems from escalating to violence. Since the 70s, there have been, so from the 70, 1970 till today, there have been 2,052 school shootings. Most of them assault rifles, specifically AR-15s, were used. AR-15s are weapons of mass destruction. They are designed... Like other assault rifles, they are designed to discharge multiple rounds per trigger pull, making them perfect for war, but serve absolutely no purpose for us living in the United States. You can't hunt 
with an assault rifle. You will literally tear apart the meat in the hide. And as far as self-protection is concerned, you can't comfortably carry around an assault rifle while you're going to the grocery store. And you sure as hell can't bring it with you on public transportation. And even if you could, back to being comfortable, you can't carry that comfortably. So to be very clear, I have no problem with handguns, hunting rifles, or shotguns. I have no problem with anyone wanting to own any of those guns that I just mentioned. They do not nearly cause the amount of death that assault rifles do. Now I know some of you are out there thinking, it's not the guns that kill people, it's people that kill people. And yes, while any AR-15 or any other assault rifle laying on the table is not just going to kill anyone until someone with ill intentions picks it up. But what else does an AR-15 or any assault rifle do? Or any other gun, actually, for that matter. What do they do beside killing? I have been researching and learning about true crime cases for a long time now. And the only weapon that literally has no other purpose on this world than just to kill is a gun. Think about it. Knives. We use them to cut our food or open boxes. You know, they're, they're meant for cutting things. They're not just meant for stabbing someone to death. A hammer can be used to cause death via blunt force trauma, but they're also used to help build things. A rope, something that we use to secure boats to docks and just secure things by tying in general. That can also be used to strangle someone. I could go on and on and on and on about all different types of murder weapons and their other intended uses. But as you can see, guns have no other purpose than to kill. That's it. That's all they do. So if you have this thing that its only purpose is to kill, you would think that there would be rules and regulations and legislations in place so that you could own one, right? But of course not. This is fucking old America, right? We do it with cars and no one bats an eye, right? In order to get a car, you need to have a license. And in order to obtain a license, you have to study for hours, pass an eye exam or a basic physical exam. You have to pass a written test. Then you have to take practical driving lessons. (laughs) And then you have to pass a driven test in order to be able to get a license. Those are all the things you need to do in order to buy a car. And let's not even talk about the registration there, too. That's another thing you need to do in order to be able to get a car. But we all do this, no problem, no questions asked. But the second someone suggests that we need to do this to be able to own a gun, everyone loses their shit and screams, the second amendment, the second amendment. People who say that we shouldn't make guns political when a mass shooting happens. But guess what, everyone? Guns are fucking political. Women's bodies are political. If the government has policies about it and can make laws and legislation about it, then it's fucking political because that's literally what the definition is. And quite frankly, guns should be political since we have more guns in this country than people. And yes, that is a fact. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound. And you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. 
To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. plushcare.com slash weightloss. Hey, true crime friends. You've heard me talk about my amazing friend Mandy before. She makes the best crochet, pre-cut, and custom home decor for reasonable prices. If you're looking for a -a one-of-a-kind gift or some new decor to add some new life into your home, look no further. Mandy has got you. I have quite a few items from her, ranging from a crocheted headband to Halloween decor items to my amazing and adorable Coraline ornament. Um, If you guys haven't noticed, I'm like obsessed with Coraline and I just love how Mandy makes it. She's also made me a Coraline doll that sits next to all of my true crime books. To order, just slide in her DMs on Facebook and Instagram at Mandy Made It. That's M-A-N-D-E-E made it on facebook and instagram once again go to mandy made it on facebook and instagram send her a dm and order today and in true american fashion it shouldn't be surprising to anyone that you can get a gun easier than you can get an abortion but for those who don't know it's really simple to get a gun and i know because i was there when one was bought for me as a gift Now, I no longer have that gift. It was stolen in a home invasion. And I was not a resident of the state it was purchased in. So technically, I had no legal right to that weapon, but I digress. You literally go into a gun shop. You pick out the one you want. You wait for the shop attendant to call for a brief background check to make sure you know you're not a wanted criminal. And this is probably the part that takes the longest, maybe like 10 minutes. Then you give them your money. They give you the gun and you leave. Now, this might sound fine and dandy to a lot of you, but you need to remember that this is a deadly weapon that you do not need to have training for on how to use it before you buy it. In fact, the majority of mass shootings and mass school shootings were caused by individuals who bought guns legally, which I know no one wants to hear. I know it sounds like I'm giving a lot of my opinion, and in a way, I guess I am, but my opinions are based off the facts, and this point of this episode today is to give you the facts. Another thing that's true is that the National Rifle Association, also known as the NRA, has their hands so deep in our congressmen's and senators' pockets. There is a specific link in the description that I'm going to put out um, so you can find it easier. But it is a list of our elected officials who take money from the NRA. Overwhelmingly, most of them are Republican. And which I checked, there were at least three Democrats who received money from the NRA. So no. I'm not trying to say that it's all a Republican problem here, okay? But if you don't see that a rifle pigwig has their hands in our government as not being a problem for you, then let me spell it out. Because our government is not going to be able to pass any legislature to enact any real changes that we need because they don't want to bite the hand that's feeding them. It's as simple as that. And why would you? Why would anyone in that position work to make laws that directly affect their bank accounts? And quite frankly, it's just, it's fucking disgusting. I mean, and I'm sure we could go into any other, you know, Amazon, you know, the Walton family, things like that. And they probably have their hands in our congressmen's and senators' pockets as well. Now, other countries that don't have rifle bigwigs making the shots for them have been able to enact actual change that is statistically shown to work 
1996, the UK was horrified by the murder of 16 children and their teacher by a lone shooter who attacked a school in Dublin, Scotland. This was one of the deadliest mass shootings in Britain's history. After some grassroots campaigns, the government actually banned private ownership of handguns the next year. Semi-automatic firearms were already illegal for private ownership at that time. Another country, Australia, also in 1996, a lone gunman murdered 35 people in Port Arthur. In response, the then-conservative Australian government banned nearly all semi-automatic rifles and shotguns and launched a program to buy back more than 600,000 of the weapons from the people who already owned them. Now, since then, both Australia and the UK have seen gun deaths plummet after these laws came into effect. And as you know, in the UK, police officers don't generally carry around firearms because no one can get them. So it would seem to me that restricting civilian access to certain weapons helps stop mass shootings. But instead, people would rather arm teachers or claim that the only way to stop a bad person with a gun is a good person with a gun. As if we're living in some fucking Keanu Reeves action film. Guess what, people? We are not. (laughs) As evidence from the police's delay at Rob Elementary School on Tuesday, we've seen that people have different reactions to these high-stress situations. And there are four. There's fight, flight, freeze, and fawn. Now, to those who have proper training in active shooter situations, they should know that they not only have to fight, but they have to remain as calm as possible in order to make the right decisions. This is not a skill that just comes easily to everyone. It is a skill that has to be learned. And to those who want to arm teachers, why? Haven't we expected enough from teachers at this point in this fucking country? They're already doing the absolute best they can do with the conditions they've been given, and you just want to add gun and active shooter training to their plate? That's just insulting. The government and the police should be doing their jobs to protect us, not brush it off on someone else. The United States has such a pervasive love of violence and guns that it has a hard time letting go. I mean, which of course, you know, millions of dollars from the NRA doesn't help either. And because of that, I find it absolutely impossible to cut our country's access to guns. And that doesn't mean that we can't make gun ownership safer for those buying them and everyone around them. First of all, I think we need an immediate ban on assault rifles. As I've stated before, these are weapons of mass destruction that should be only used in the capable hands of the military. Now, secondly, I think we need common sense gun laws. We need to start have better background checks, mental health evaluations, weapons and safety training, and tests that need to be passed before someone can even be given the opportunity to go and buy a gun. Again, we do this for a car, and no one thinks twice. But when it comes to guns, for whatever reason, people just lose their fucking minds, and I don't get it. It's insane to me. (laughs) Why wouldn't you want training on how to use a gun and a test to prove that you know how to use it? I mean, seriously, how many people go out and buy a gun and shoot themselves because they don't know what the fuck they're doing? How many children get access to their parents' weapons and accidentally kill someone or themselves because their parents didn't probably secure the guns in the home because they didn't have pop or safety training? I know in this episode I'm specifically talking about school mass shootings, but this could help on a multitude of gun-related violence. Lastly, we need to fix this mental health care crisis. 
in this country, like I talked about earlier. We need to make mental health care more affordable and more accessible to those who want and need it. Now, like I said before, there are always going to be people who refuse help, refuse treatment. But we can drastically reduce the number of people suffering from mental illness if we fix this problem. And that's really all I have to say on this situation. Guys, I'm sorry this episode is pretty much a downer. Um, I will be back next week with a new episode. Just stay after a little bit for this to hear how you can access the links and all of this extra special content. But yeah, this this situation sucks. And we as a country need to fix this problem. We have to. We we can't go on living like this. You know, it's fucked up. Oh my gosh. So with that, my darlings, I will see you next week. We hope you enjoyed this Ivory Tower Boiler Room or True Crime in Academia episode. You can watch our video versions of our episodes on patreon.com slash Ivory Tower Boiler Room. Join at the price of an iced coffee or join as an Ivory Tower member and get some of our exclusive merchandise. I could not be here without an amazing team. So I'm Andrew Rimby, the executive director, and I am joined with Mary DePippi, our chief contributor, who hosts True Crime in Academia. It comes out on Tuesdays. Jaren Usta is our marketing director, and our two interns are Nicole Arguello and Kimberly Dallas. And I'm actually here with Mary. So Mary, where can they follow us on social media? You can find us on TikTok and Instagram at Ivory Tower Boiler Room. On Twitter, we are at Ivory Boiler Room. And then just search the Ivory Tower Boiler Room on Facebook and you can like our page there. Wonderful. And we, Mary and I and the whole team, hope you all are healthy and happy. And we can't wait to join you and you know, have you all join us in the ivory tower boiler room next week. Bye everyone. Bye.